but yeah, no. You, whenever we ask a question, from there on, you are the captain of the ship. <laughs> Go for it. Well, I just want to make sure go. I don't. You know, I don't want to forget to. I mean, we do. We have some really, really great coaches, and I never. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get them out. Like, yeah, because it's never about any one of us, and it never will be. Because obviously, this place and this town and this history is way bigger than any one of us could ever dream to be you know and it's freaking just awesome that we get to be a part of this shut up and sit down and welcome to the week nine edition of the black swarm podcast i'm rob antonell here with hank pfeiffer and tonight we are joined by offensive line coach and co-offense coordinator, Coach Mazer. So how's it going? It's going great, guys. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Going good. Ready for some fat boy talk. Yeah. As much as I love hearing about this, I don't always know what's going on. So I might just blank out every now and then. Fair enough. I did that for half of the Kale interview when you two got going. That's fine. (laughs) All right. uh, Real quick up top, though, before we forget, like we have for half this year, like to thank our probably still sponsor, J.P. Simon, over at Simon Says, you know, down, uh, what is it, 2nd, 3rd Street, Lincoln Way? Use the door in the back? Yeah? Right. Lincoln Way will be opening up soon. So they say. A little over a week. So they say. So they say. So. And also, you know, follow us, Twitter. I'm going to stop saying Instagram because I'm going to quit. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, at Black Swarm Pod, you know, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, the Black Swarm Podcast. So from there, Rob, let's get this conversation rolling. Well, let's get into some football. Uh, Coach, we got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, Coming off of a big win last week at Barberton. Um, Once again, a tough game, especially starting off. uh, Seeing some more looks defensively. Um, As the season's gone on so far, what have you noticed um, how teams are playing us differently now than at the beginning of the year? Well, I think at the beginning of the year it was – you know, at least with with St. B's, they were really you know played the St. B's defense and played cover four and um, you know do what they do. They, we say that every year about them. And um, you know, with Gateway a couple weeks ago had a little bit more success slowing us down um, than some other teams have. Uh, so I wasn't really too surprised that Barberton used a little bit of that in the secondary. It was a little bit different what they did up front. Um, you know, playing odd stack instead of odd, but they brought pressure, played man, um, you know, really challenging us. But it's it's more of a challenge to uh, can our guys get open, um, you know, before they can get some pressure. So it's been a, it's been a big challenge on the offensive line, on the running backs and fullbacks, and on the quarterback, you know, finding the open guy, getting the ball out on time. Um, you know, so I think as as people have had some success, some other teams are kind of piggybacking off of that where um, even though they know they might not have the corners to match up with our guys, um, you know, if they can't match up for four seconds, well, maybe they can match up for two. Um, so people are challenging us a little bit more and we're getting more dialed into that. So I, I think we'll see some of that going forward, um, you know, from some teams that are really willing to take some chances. Um, but certain teams are just going to do what they do, especially when you get the playoff time, because you know you're really 
playing against teams that feel really strongly about their players. They feel, um, you know, that playing base defense is, is what puts them in the best spot for success. And obviously they've been successful because, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs and, and, you know, hopefully multiple weeks into the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think one thing that surprised me about the um, about the Barberton game was that they came out in a 3-3 stack. And we've played, you know, we've talked about how teams will, like the opposite of what you said, how they'll just change it up to try and attack us specifically, change up their defense. And I think what surprised me was them going to a 3-3, a defense that we've had a lot of success against in the past. And, you know, we've seen some teams on our schedule, Glen Oak and McKinley both last year tried to use it, didn't ha- didn't like it that much. Um, changed went back to a like a three four and a four three respectively this year. Um, can you go into the I guess the pros and cons a little bit of a three three stack? You know, like why a team might want to run it and what uh, we not specifically us, but what you can do to attack that defense. Well, it, you know, you always have six guys in the box in a three three stack, and you're able to adjust to some of the offensive formations pretty easily because. You know, you have your three down linemen, your three linebackers, and then you have your two corners on the outside, but then you have, you know, what we call strong safety, weak safety, free safety. So they're able to, you know, in a two-by-two set, they can have your guys covered while still having six guys in the box. You know, that's just – I think with the more spread sets you see, um, you know, it's become a a defense that – people have went to um, more and more we've seen more three down linemen this year some of it's been three four but we've seen more three down linemen than we've seen in the last four or five years um you know but what barberton did was a little bit different than what some other teams do um you know with those strong safety and weak safety playing the alleys they actually put those guys out um, and covered the receivers and played man and then they would use their safety to come down and run support so that guy sometimes was six or seven yards from the ball, and he was really involved in the run game. And when he did, we were able to throw some vertical routes over top because there was no free safety or nobody. I mean, there were times there was nobody deeper than six yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, so I think the way they played it, it's a little bit different than say like a Fitch would play it or like Glen Oak played it last year or McKinley played it, where you know it's truly one high. Um, one high safety and you can play cover three or cover one you know we really didn't see any cover three for them a little bit of cover one but a lot of cover zero you know because they're also able to um, I think odd stack teams feel like they can always bring two people um, you know because you're you're going from three to five by bringing two linebackers but you know, they feel like they can confuse an offense by doing a lot of little, you know, bringing the end inside, bringing two backers underneath or long stick in the end, bringing two, two backers around him. Um, you know, they just, I think they want to create some confusion, which happens at times, but it also, you know, as you saw on Friday, it, it gives you some run lanes because if you're running in, you know, to, to run blitz some plays or even to get pressure and the seam gets split, it's over. Um, especially in cover zero because, you know, all the guys are outside. You know, you're bringing pressure. They bring they brought one from each side, and, and we hit a, you know, little power iso that we run, and uh, and our running back made a nice little cut, line blocked it well, and, and you know, next thing you know, he's he's out the gate. And there's nobody in the middle of the field, so he just, he just split the seam. 
So, that, I mean, what they were doing was different than what we normally see, um, but that was more in the secondary. The 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 three down linemen, three linebackers was was pretty true to what an odd stack is. I thought it was interesting what you said about seeing a lot more three down odd front stuff recently. Um, I remember seeing something not too long ago talking about it was a defensive guy talking about when you watch an offensive guy draw up a run play or anything against defense, he always draws up four man, you know, an even front, and they offensive guys don't really necessarily like to go up against odd front. Um, so is that odd front more just a trend you're seeing recently? Just, you know, how football tends to move in trends? Does it have to do with personnel? Like not a lot of fat bodies around, to, you know, put their hand in the dirt or is it something else? Well, I think it, I think the change on defense is because of the change on offense. You know, the offense has more skill guys on the field. So, you know, the defense has started getting more skill guys on the field. The thing is we're different. You know, we, we do have some three and four wide receiver sets. I mean, our base set's a three wide receiver set, but we also have some three running back sets, multiple three running back sets that we use. And, you know, we, we still are a power first run team, although, you know, we run a lot of zone now, but our zone is not, you know, I don't think it's position blocking. We like to move forward and win the line of scrimmage, and we have the same mentality in zone that we do on power, you know, so I'm not sure that that matches up best against us, but people feel like in a three, four, you know, they'll tell you all the time, well, if we get trips, you know, we don't have to completely change our defense or, you know, if you're in a four, three, you know, the standard two by two set, what do you do with the backside alley? You put the Sam, he overhangs. So you got three over two to one side, then you got two over two to the other side. Well, you know, now you don't have the same run support in the alley. Um, the coverage is not the same. As soon as you go to a 3-4, now you have alley support on both sides. Um, and even, you know, what, three or four years ago when I first came to Maslin, that was one of the things that hurt us the most was the weak side alley away from trips or the weak side alley away from the SAM in 2 by 2 you know, so I think that's why that's a big part of the reason that people have gotten away. Not everybody, but but people have gotten away from like a true four three defense. I mean, if you look at our defense. We are technically, I think, we're a, a three four defense. We play a lot of four man, but if somebody's hurting us that way, they're hurting us in the in the alley that we don't have the same support. Um, we'll switch and go right to an odd front to where you know we either have a two four techniques and a zero or two four eyes and a zero and we have an overhang on each side so we have alley support right now you know so we we're multiple enough defensively that we we can actually do both but you know it, it has it's been a trend um we've probably played you know in eight games we played at least four teams that are that are um odd defenses either odd stack or odd and it used to be maybe two a year so you're, we're definitely seeing that trend. Part of that also might be, you know, some things are regional. And we played two teams out of the Pittsburgh area this year, and they were both odd teams. So, you know, we don't always play those teams. So that, you know, whoever we replace them with next year might be more of a four-man front. But, you know, when looking at this year, I mean, it, you know, looking at our schedule up there, I think I think half the teams played a, played an odd front. You know, definitely Fitch. Yeah, um, Harding Oak, does. Harding Warren, did a lot. Uh, Glen Oak Warren, what, 
Penn Trafford, they were a 3-4, right? Glen Oak's very similar to us. You know, Bo oh, okay. is – is uh, we live six houses apart. Uh, we coached <laughs> together for, for uh, six of my eight years there. Mm-hmm. Um, Glen Oak's defense um, is basically the same structure um, as our defense here at Maslin because Craig was actually our defensive coordinator my last year at Jackson. Gotcha. So not Glen Oak. Well, they're they are they're an odd, but yeah. they're they're a lot of under. Yeah, but they're an odd. I mean, they they consider themselves a mm-hmm. a three four. Yeah, odd front on paper, most a lot of even front structure. Absolutely. Okay, so Warren, I think Penn Trafford, uh, Fitch definitely Gateway, and ended up yeah bargaining. So is that five? Yeah. Wow. Half the schedule. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I'm just going to keep talking until Rap says something. and uh... I was just waiting for a break. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I've noticed, or at least I think I've noticed, um, when the teams have been playing a little bit more, you know, man against us, is that we haven't had as many tag screens. Yeah. Um, some of the quick passing game that we've used for the last, you know, over a year now um, isn't something that either works great against that coverage or we just haven't gone to it as much. Uh, how moving forward is that something that we still need to do? Is there something that can replace that, um, or are the vertical one-on-one shots just the better option against that coverage? Well, we still call the tag screens, you know, and that's on Aiden to throw it. And if he doesn't like to look, then he doesn't throw it. And a lot of times, in man, if everybody's at five yards, mm-hmm. you know, with a tag, we're really looking for off coverage somewhere. You know, since we we do we tag the whole field. Um, you know, everybody sees us throw the the tag to the two receiver side a lot because we seem to do that a little bit more. But we do throw a, a, a quick, you know, off of our run game, a, a quick either out or slant or vertical. We get we got a few different things that we do to the single receiver side. Um, and Coach Trox does such a great job with Aiden that um, you know, there's if he has any question at all on whether it's a tag or non-tag, we hand the ball off because we always like our chances inside the box. You know, so it's it's more taken, you know, you hear us say it a, a thousand times and you hear Coach Moore say it in the paper, and I'm sure all the coaches offensively that have been on here is just taking what the defense gives us. And, you know, if they're playing man, then they're saying that they can cover our guys one-on-one. So, you know, if everybody – these days are calling a, you know, a vertical, especially with the guys like ours, is 50-50 balls. Well, if we throw it twice, that means we get one of them. You know, and that's a 30, 40-yard gain at a minimum. Um, and if we can throw two times and get one of those, our completion percentage might not be as high, but you know, our, our average per catch is going to be better than two tag screens. But And we also want to stretch the defense with those. But um, with the verticals, but it's it's all there, and we have other versions of that. We've you've seen the Fox screen, um, who Coach Trox and Coach Miller will tell you I just love so much. Um, the, the interesting story about that because I I used to say that we repped Fox more than we repped Power, um, <laughs> and and I have this way of maybe um, embellishing things just a little bit. Coach Miller and Coach Trox would would both uh, would both probably attest to that, um, and. You know, so we come in at halftime against Winton Woods, and I'm like, I know you guys are going to laugh at me, but Fox is going to be wide open. And then we hit Trey in the second half. Trox dials yeah. it up at yeah. the perfect time, hit Trey. 
I think, all the way down to the two-yard line. I don't think he scored on that, but he got it. Did he score? I, uh, Either that is right. I mean, it yeah. was like a 60-yard gain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he called at the right time. Miller has those guys dialed in, and um, we hit it. There's a play that I literally, <laughs> like, ripped apart because it, it's got to be called at the right time yeah. to be good. Yeah. And you got to set it up. And you almost have to throw the tag one too many times mm-hmm. for the Fox to be good. You know, you can't – it's no way to get it right at that right one. You almost got to go one too many um, but, yeah, that that's one of the things we run off there. We run the, the slant that we threw that Ballard kind of juggled at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another version of our tag that we do. Um, and Trey Morgan actually caught the touchdown pass at McKinley two years ago. We didn't throw the slant. We threw the wide fade, but that's that's what another tag. We got, we got a handful of things we do that are probably better against man. You know, but we we've been repping those pretty heavily the last couple of weeks because that's obviously, you know, what we're it's trending that that's what we're going to see, and we'll use a little bit more of that. And in the tag screen, you know, a tag to us isn't just that screen; it's all of those other concepts too. You just see that screen more because we've been so successful at it. So when it comes to these man uh, man beater routes that you're talking about, um. With our personnel, I know we, we have to work out you know all of these different types of routes you're talking about, but we've seen a lot of the more vertical routes, the 50-50 balls. Um, do you think that implementing all of the different routes is would be more effective than just throwing the jump ball all the time? Well, we do a little bit of both. You know, I mean, if, if we're just working, um, you know, if we're just working underneath stuff, then they can do things like. You know, we're running drags or we're running whips or different things that are that are man beaters. You know, if it's a drag, they can send the mic to drill that guy just like a seven on seven. Um, this is what it looked like the other day when they, they actually their, their mic did a great job. He searched out our dragger and, and hammered him. Um, but if we had, you know, mesh called on there or some other concepts that we we're working forward with, um, you know, then that mic would really have been out of position to help anywhere else. But yeah, I mean, it's hard because we've had so much success throwing the verticals that it's hard to get away from them. You know, you want to stretch the field, and if you stop stretching the field, um, you know, then then what's the defense going to do there? Where are they going to put the the extra hat? You know, or where they get? And they bracket they bracketed it. The first touchdown, a perfect example. We were at the booster club. You know. I think Andrew caught like a 30-yard gain one-on-one, and the bracket guy was over Jaden. Well, the next time, the bracket guy's over Andrew, and we hit Jaden for a 35-yard touchdown. You know, and we just have to we have to take our chances. Understand that there's no complete. You know, there's no throw that's a hundred percent completion. Um, but with our guys, if we're taking 50-50 balls, they're also not five-yard gains. You know, I mean, they're 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 big plays. You know, ninety-five yard gains actually a couple weeks ago, but um, you know, and that's just our coaches do such a good job. I mean, I we you hear it on here, you know, and, and I and I'm sure not everybody's happy with us all the time, and and we get that, but um, you know, we with with Coach Trox with the QBs, and and you know, the final play call goes through him, and you know, with Coach Miller and what he does through you know through the the receivers and. And, you know, just our whole office staff. I got Chip Robinson this year. You know, Chip's fantastic. Um, 
you know, he stepped right in. Dicker Hoof and I started having a great relationship at the end of the year last year. I mean, we had a good relationship. I've known him for a long time, but like a great working relationship where he just stepped right in and, and was able to make adjustments while I was working through, all right, this is structurally what I want to see. And his was more um, fixing the technique stuff. And now uh, chips right on that stuff. And then, you know, up in the box, we got, we got coach stone uh, who, you know, really sees a lot of the defense and really, you know, who I talk to immediately, you know, I kind of grab an iPad and get away Trox and Miller are talking to skill guys. Chip's got the big guys on the TV, um, you know, and, and he's been awesome up there about let's get this next series going. Let's get our adjustments going. Um, David Morgan's been helping out with the running backs. Coach Moore's been helping out with the running backs. And, you know, offensive staff-wise, it's just been – it's been fantastic, you know. So I, I we work with a great – I work with a great group of guys and – I know that's a little different than where your where your question you know went, but man, <laughs> I, I I mean just seeing some of the things. I mean we're we're not anywhere where we need to be yet. You know, there's a lot of season left for us, but you know to sit back and look at the things that are happening every week. You know, offensively, uh, you know, I'm just really really excited for the the guys I work with, the kids, man, the kids. We push them so hard, guys. You know, as hard as we possibly get. We talk about it all the time. You know. Literally every play is fourth is fourth and one. You know, I threw a starter out of practice today, not like literally out of practice, but pulled him out. You know, a, a misstep and a, and a missed hand and put another guy in. You know, I mean, it's they got to know. It's just really every play is that important. You know, and all of our coaches, our defensive guys too. I mean, they're all fantastic. But um, you know, just thinking from an offensive side, like man, we coach our kids hard and they accept that coaching. And man, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of fun at this point. I just can't, I just can't wait for, can't wait for Friday. Really. I can't even wait for, I can't wait for practice tomorrow. <laughs> and I think that's the way our entire staff feels. All right. I want to go back to something you talked about, um, about, you know, everybody making adjustments on the sideline. Um, and I remember coach Trox, he told me, I asked him what that's like at the beginning of a game, you know, and say, just like Barberton, we prepare all week for a three, four quarters team and they come out and, uh, blitz happy three, three stack. And the word he used or the phrase he used was organized chaos. So can you walk us through what that's like on the sideline after the first couple series when, you know, you've been working against these looks that you think you're going to see all week and then realize it's, that's nothing close to what they're running. Well, in, in some games, you just kind of have a feel for, all right, they're going to do something. So that's that's how we felt going in the Barberton game. Like, I wasn't surprised that it was different. I was surprised that it was odd stack, but I wasn't surprised it was different. So the first play we ran was actually like a 15-yard gain. Mm-hmm. Um, it was inside zone with a fullback in the game because that's one of our safest runs. And it was like, all right, we think we can get a first down on first down with this run, but it also is is there shouldn't be any run throughs because we're gap sound, and it will show us what the defense is. So then immediately I, we get a 15 yard gain, and it, we ended up getting like a two yard gain the next play. But we called my favorite run play against Odd Stack, and one of our guys didn't recognize it was Odd Stack. And we doubled to number two instead of number three, and number three came in and folded in and made like a two-yard, ended up being like a two-yard gain. And so I'm screaming from the sideline, you know, that hey, it's odd stack. Like I, I, I couldn't believe he didn't see it. But 
Um, you know, so then we go on, we end up getting through and it's, it's third down. We, we end up punting the ball. And as soon as we get off to the sideline, like we're at a point now where, you know, the corrections, the adjustments moving forward are, Hey, these are the, the play that we called on the second first down. You know, this is a really good play. Um, out of one back, this is a really good play. We immediately went through, you know, we have basically a checklist, not always on the call sheet, but a mental checklist. I know what I like against this. I know what I like against this. And we just basically, it was like reciting what our odd stack runs are, what our odd stack protections are. And then coach Robinson's immediately on the, on the TV, making those corrections on the mistakes that we made. Hey, guys, there's three backers in the box here, not two. So we got to double to number three. We don't get to double to number two and get an extra puller. You know, so we're correct in those. So really, that's kind of how it works out. We get back. We're all looking at – we're on headset. Um, you know, Coach Robinson talked to the kids, but we're we're working through the plays together. Coach, um, Coach Stone and Coach Morgan are up in the box, and they're on an iPad, and we're like, all right, play four odd stack let's go to the wide copy let's look at okay it's cover one or it's cover three well what do you like here and we'll pause it and we'll look at the pre-snap alignment of what we like in our pass game and then we'll play it and see well maybe they rotate and they play cloud or maybe they play two out of that or maybe they maybe they do something with the safeties to create something different um, you know, but we, we basically go through a mental checklist there, right? This is what they showed against this formation. And Coach Stone draws that up up top as well. You know, so as soon as we get through that first series, you know, whether we score on it or not, we handle the adjustments the same way. We're going through what we lined up in, what they lined up in against it, what we like most, what would be the next move for them, what would be the next move for us, if that makes sense. Something that just kind of popped into my head here. Um, you mentioned that a kid didn't recognize uh, the formation he was going against. Yeah, the um, defensive front. And just the first thing that I started thinking about during all of that was how we've had to move a couple kids around uh, since the beginning of the year. And what I was trying to think of is how you guys teach it now. Um, I mean, compared to like when we played. How well do the kids know the concept of the plays rather than just memorizing what they have to do on a specific play. I mean, can you insert kids in a different position and they kind of know, hey, on this play, we're doing this rather than the left guard is supposed to do this? Well, I think part of that is how you prepare your kids and not just prepare them like, oh, this is how I'm going to teach you the play, but this is how I'm going to rep you in practice. Because, you know, I can sit and look at a, you know, look at a, film all day long and think about, oh, this is how we should do it. But a lot of it comes down to putting it down on paper for me. That's how I learn. I need to write it down. I need to put it on the board. I need to draw it up on Playmaker Pro. I need to go through every rule, you know, so I I do those things for the kids. You know, we walk through a lot of stuff. We review a lot of stuff. Um, I send them a weekly playbook every single Sunday that has every run play for the week, every pass protection for the week drawn up against the two main fronts that we're going to see. And they know if I'm a right guard, I also have to know left guard. If I'm a right guard and a left guard, if I can snap, I need to know center too. You know, so if I'm a right tackle, like our right tackle right now, he is also probably our, our backup left tackle because, you know, we have an older guy that could come in the right tackle. 
if we had an injury, you know, or, you know, we, we just, we have, you have to know multiple spots, but part of that is in practice in July on a camp day, all right, today you're going to play left tackle. And then they look at me like I have three heads or I'm crazy, you know, but it, it's really, if you really feel comfortable at right, playing left is really going to make you learn to play tackle because you got to think about everything and think about every single detail. So I, I shift guys around a lot, but then I also give them the information, you know, they have that weekly playbook that they can look at on, you know, Tuesday, they can look at it on Thursday. It, it has all the info for, and it has, it's not like it's just them. It's all five offense alignments. So, you know, some of our guys know every position, you know, some of them really it's, it's more, you need to know tackle if you're a tackle and you need to know center and guard if you're a center and guard, but you know, it, it's just moving around, lots of repetition. I mean, I'm a stealer of time. Um, every coach we coach with on our staff will tell you that. I mean, I, I do field goal and extra point for special teams. Um, thank thank you, Coach Jar, um, that I have zero other special teams responsibilities <laughs> um, because during that time, I steal every single second, and we go through every day um, you know, we, we walk through during special teams time against the defense, like the cards that we're going to go against that day. And I always make the cards as hard as possible on the kids. So we're walking through that every day. And, you know, if there's a, if it's Monday, all right, you're the right guard today. If you back up more than one position, then on Tuesday, you're the, you're the center, you know? So I change those review days for them just so they, um, you know, they get repetitions doing that, but also I mean, football savvy kids goes a long way too. I mean, that's, that's not on, you know, myself and coach Robinson. It's not just on us trying to prepare them. It's also on the kids putting in the time, it being important to them and them understanding the game of football for them to be able to play multiple positions. Yeah. Kind of on that. Um, I guess on that little thought there, um, how difficult is it? for you as a coach to make like blocking rules and you know assignments because really it's you're organizing anywhere between five and seven guys to do one thing where if you know one guy messes up the whole play falls apart and with the like the different amount of fronts blitzes and just defenses entirely that we faced you know you can't teach a kid like hey i need you to block down on this three tech it's got to be i need you to block down on the first man inside you know so how difficult can it be to get you know these rules where they work for the play not so in depth to where it's not gonna it's gonna work for one front and not something else but not so broad as to where it can get cloudy against some weird stuff well and and i think that's one thing being in year um 17 now that i've really improved on um you know coach mazer in year three was writing paragraphs for rules you know i mean i and I wasn't, and I'm not a fast typer, so it took me quite a long time to make a playbook. But um, nowadays, I, I really try to keep it to one or two sentences, you know. And it's not that you want it to be vague. You you just it needs to be very factual. It needs to be this is what it is. And one of the big things that that helped me, um, instead of writing all these things like, well, if this guy does this and this guy does this, no, you have number one. Okay, you have the first down guy to your side. You have number two. That's the second down guy to your side. And 
but one of the and we do that a lot with some of our man plays and you know who we double in our zones but the biggest thing that's really helped simplify things um, when it comes to um, blocking assignments and making sure that we're sound uh, we count the linebackers and I don't care if a safety rolls down and the kid's 160 pounds and he's number seven and he's inside leg of the tackle at five yards he's linebacker number one back in the day it was well that's the strong safety well no he's in the box he's linebacker number one and we count if there's three it's one two three and we handle them this way and if there's two it's one two we handle them this way and then you know the tackle blocks accordingly uh there's one backer in the box you know obviously we, we lock a little bit more because we don't have to send you know climb everybody to the next level so you know counting the backers is is really made things a lot easier on hey, this is what everybody else needs to do because, you know, that's – we handle down guys first, second level next, but counting the backers really designs the blocking scheme in a lot of our plays. So when it comes to making all of your rules for these different run plays, um, where's the line between our kids know exactly what to do on every single play and it should work and – I'm going to call the play that works best against this front. You know, that's funny. That's that's a good question because we get in that, I wouldn't say argument, but we get in disagreements, um, you know, as a staff sometimes on, hey, do we need this next play? Do we? This would probably be, be good off of this. Well, you only have so much practice time. And do you get really good at this play that you already are pretty good at? Or do you add this other play that might take away a little bit from your base play because you don't get to rep it as much? You know, so I think that's part of it. Like you have to find a fine line of we have enough offense and have enough run game or enough blocking seems to combat any defense they come out in. Um, but we have few enough of them that we're really effective with them, you know, that nobody's ever wondering what they're supposed to do or uh, what their assignment is. Because, you know, as soon as you don't know what you're doing, you don't play fast. And I want to err on the side of playing fast all the time. Um, and maybe it's because it's, um, you know, me and, and, and our coaching staff that, 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 thinks this way but it's great because coach Trox thinks this way coach Moore thinks this way coach miller thinks this way even you know he's a skill guy all our guys think that um less is more for the offensive line so if we're going to mess with somebody you know our skill guys have a lot to know when it comes to alignments and all those different things um you know in, in subtle adjustments and the tags that we make to all of our pass plays but for our linemen we really have probably six blocking schemes maybe seven but we have like 15 runs because there's some things we can do in the backfield that make them look like a completely different run but they're the exact same blocking scheme and the more that we can do that um, to attack different areas block it the same but use the skill guys to make it look a little bit different the better off we're going to be because this is my one argument with that is well we never can tell them where to line up. So even though it's, you know, even though inside zone right is inside zone right, it could be blocked 35 different ways 
because of the alignment of the defense. So we need less schemes and more execution. Kind of on that uh, same thing, It, I heard something about how the linebackers tend to mimic the backfield action. Like, say, a linebacker that's reading power read is going to be a little more horizontal than a linebacker just reading straight power where he might be crashing a little bit harder, a little bit quicker. Is it important for our linemen to know what's going on in the backfield to, you know, that's how the linebackers might react and might need to change up? Like, say, the aiming point of a tackle coming inside for that backside linebacker might be a little different on power read because he's staying a little more horizontal with the stretch versus just a straight downhill power where he might be coming downhill a little harder and he might need to, you know, attack him. Yeah, it like if we're using jet – you know, we're using some jet motion, which we have in the past, which might still come out at some point. Um, you know, but we use jet to uh, affect the front side. Well, that usually stretches because we don't power read. We would just hand off the yeah. jet and lead. But we will either hand off the jet or we'll fake the jet and run power. Um, that affects that front side backer. Absolutely. I mean, he might take a step or two, but I don't I don't mess with the the alignment or the the pull course of the guard Mm -hmm. because if that guy takes two steps wider because of you know that influence from the jet if we stay in our position it's just going to put us in an even better position for the block because when we wrap tight and he figures out it's not jet and takes a step back in um he he's not going to be coming downhill he's going to be coming sideways and we're going to be going forward you know so i I don't put too much um, emphasis on that type of stuff unless it's like a boot, um, you know, how we how we would anticipate, a, you know, a guard pulls and the end would crash on a boot, um, how we get some, some backfield action um, with more pass game stuff we talk about. But, um, you know, with the, with the edge stuff, kind of like our tag screens, our jet stuff is, is really separate. You know, it's it's more the ball carrier, the fullback, and the tailback, and the receivers that are taking care of the jet stuff, and we're blocking power up inside. Um, that's another one of those things that um, we're not messing with the linemen. You know, we're we're keeping mm-hmm. everything the same, and you know, if we're handing off jet, we're usually handing it to a kid that's a four or five, and if he gets caught by a will linebacker, we won't run jet. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just is there probably maybe a more effective way to to block it um yes but is the investment worth it and that's where we end up all the time i mean those are conversations we have every sunday how many times we run jet that's why be my first thing um twice so we're going to invest an entirely new blocking scheme into a play we might run twice and and trucks the same way i mean he we we're all really the same way. We, we, we talk about it just like that. And, you know, all right, well, how can we do it without making many changes and it still be real effective? And that's where I think we've gotten really good as an offensive staff is, um, you know, how do, how do we keep it the same but attack something different and make those linebackers stretch a little bit more so that we can, we can make that B gap wider and, and be more effective in, in our base stuff. To touch on Hank's question, um, something that I think you mentioned has happened recently. <clears throat> Instead of 
the backfield action, changing how a defensive player might play it, um, just the straight personnel. Uh, I know you mentioned something about defensive ends maybe being undersized quicker uh, lately. How do you coach that up where the player might know what to do, but the defensive player reacts a little different, or he's just going against a different type of player than what he's used to seeing? Uh, that's one of the hardest things is that I think people don't understand is um, – you know, your scout team guys can't always simulate the guys that you're going to play on Friday. You know, I mean, Louisville has a six foot six, two hundred and fifty pound defensive end that's a good player. We don't have anybody to simulate that. You know, so my my kids, will, I'll grab the the kid that's closest to him and, and try to you know make him play similar to that to get our kids ready for it, but. You know, the 180-pound D-end, or 185-pound D-end from Barberton that's good with his hands and really quick, you know, we really have to put kind of a running back there. But it's hard to do that when you're in scout team and it's team. And, yeah, one time you're passing, but the next time you're running power and you're not trying to get your third safety killed playing D-end. So what we would do in that situation is do that in one-on-one pass rush, do it more in a, a one-on-one drill um, you know, to, to simulate that quickness and, and let that guy have a two-way go. But you also got to do it to where you're not putting anybody in, in danger, um, you know, any of your team in, in danger. But it's hard sometimes. That's one of the um, – I'll never forget this. I, I obviously uh, mentioned that, that Bo is a good friend of mine at, at Glen Oak, and we talked after the game, and obviously it it came on them really fast. I mean, the, the floodgates open right from the beginning, and – and uh, he said to me, you know, we have some kids that can run. He said, but we just – the problem is the kids that can run for us are the kids that were playing defense. And we couldn't simulate the speed of your receivers, the speed of your running back to how quick your offensive line is because our best guys, even though, you know, probably not at the same level we are, I'm saying that kindly, but um, that – you can't simulate that, and that's what's hard to do. You know, we do a lot of things, and, and I love it. I love our defensive staff for it. I love our offensive staff for it. You know, we had inside run today, and the first three plays of inside run, I have my first team offensive line. This is defensive inside run. Our, it's ones on ones. But you have to have a mature team to be able to do that so guys stay up, guys are not getting too chippy, but – I think that's how you combat those type of things is you your best, even if it's only for three plays and then it's four plays off and it's three more plays, your best need to go against your best because when it comes on Friday, nothing against our, our second team guys. They give great looks too, and our third team guys give great looks, but it's not the same as some of the starters that you see. So the, the better the players, even if it's just a handful of reps that – that you get to go against during the week, the, the more it prepares you. Then for those special situations, for those real quick guys, try to do that more on a, a one-on-one setting. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just piggyback off of a buzzword that you just said, um, chippy. And the Barbertson game at, you know, at the minimum was a little chippy. And, you know, we're going into Louisville, and last year, you know, it was chippy. We can expect things to be maybe chippy again this year, and then McKinley after that, and then the playoffs. So we have quite the run of, you know, intense games where things can get really physical, and 
just with all of this coming up all at once and everything getting more important as we go, how are we getting the kids to kind of mentally get prepared for all of that and, you know, make sure that we aren't retaliating when it when it does happen? Well, I mean, that that's one of those things that you it's really a fine line when it comes to the physical part. Um, the, the bickering and the running your mouth and the talking smack and all that, that's, there's no time for that. Um, we have zero time for that. And that's all been addressed, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, it was all Barberton's fault. You know, we, we acted out a character at times too. We're a team that's really been, um, a pretty mature team done things the way we were supposed to handled our business, really got on, you know, got on people quick kind of put them away and, and acted mature. And I thought we we didn't on Friday, you know, whether it was bickering back and forth, whether they started it, whether we started I I really don't care. I know Coach Moore doesn't care. Um, you know, he says we, we should have an elite mindset where we want to be elite. And elite teams don't do that. Elite teams don't talk smack. Elite teams don't get stupid penalties. And by stupid penalties, I don't mean – hitting somebody a yard out of bounds. That's so easy to look at and go, oh, that was so dumb. But when you're on the field and you're running full speed and you play with the physicality that we play, that's a really fine line between, man, I got a, I got a shot on him and knocked him out of bounds to I got a 15-yard penalty for hitting him late. So we address those things differently because those are really different um, and to me, this is one thing. When I was a young coach, you know, 15-yard penalty was a 15-yard penalty. Um, and, and Coach Moore and I have talked about it. He's actually completely changed my opinion on it. Um, they're not all created equal. You know, if it's a fast, physical play that is a, a clean play, but it, it's a kid just giving great effort, maybe it's right at the end of the whistle or slightly past – that's different than running and cheap shotting a kid in the back or or talking smack to a kid or you know saying what you know something inappropriate that gets you a penalty those are completely different types of penalties so um i agree with that you know all 15 yard penalties are not created equal but um we have to fix fix them all you know we we need to not have those things we need to keep playing physical we need to keep playing to the whistle we need to keep you know out hitting the people that we play but we need to do that where we're not extending drives for them we're not getting behind the chains on offense we're not having to kick off from you know 15 yards further back or giving them 15 yards but you know also something that that happened the other day that you know and i'm i don't make excuses those are things that will be corrected but a referee on the home sideline threw a penalty on our kid and said he did something that on TV was very visible that he didn't do. Um, you know, the, he tried to hand the ball to the referee after he scored a touchdown, and the ref kept both hands up as high as he could possibly keep them. And the ref wouldn't take the ball, and the kid kind of turned and looked at another one of our kids and kind of shook his head and then, like, just hit his chest, like, you know, just – no big deal, nothing. And then, like, tried to flip the guy the ball, and he wouldn't take the ball. And he threw a flag and said that he made a gesture to the home crowd. Um, and, and I'm not sure if he said he said something or yelled something, or but a gesture that was, was inappropriate and threw a flag. And on the WKYC, on, on the, the TV version, on our version, we couldn't see it. And Coach Moore and I, we actually sat down and watched the entire game from the television version on Sunday after we were done getting ready for Louisville. 
and evaluated every single penalty to see which ones we thought were hard penalties, you know, playing hard, whistle, and then which ones were unsportsmanlike, which ones were, you know, I don't want to say unnecessary, but ones that that weren't hard physical plays. Um, and, and we did not see anything on that play that warranted anything close to a penalty. You know, so we have to look at them and address them all, um, even though some we feel are a little bit different than others. But, um, you know, that's that's one of the – it's got to be corrected. And our kids know that. I think our kids knew it. Um, they knew it in the game that, that that's unacceptable and that's not the way that we play football. We play disciplined football. We played really disciplined football for the last couple years. Um, and it, it'll get fixed. It's definitely getting addressed. <laughs> yeah, there might have been some moments that we had in that game, but just this is just strictly my opinion. Overall, like the last two weeks, the refs have been laughable at best. It's like, honestly, I it, if we weren't running these teams off the field, it would be something I'd be angry about. But now it's just like watching like a, a comedy, you know. Just it's like a Three Stooges type skit where it's just they're all bumbling over each other. These guys want to get their TV time and whatever. I'll get off my soapbox. I don't. You don't need well, to comment on that because we don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I don't think I can get like Lane Kiffin fined or anything like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> and if I can't, I, I mean, I really don't care because. The last two weeks, the holding on our receivers mm-hmm. has been unbelievable. Yeah, horrible. You know, I mean, I the rest of the stuff inside the box. You know, I I think we had a holding call that I didn't I didn't think was truly a holding call on Friday, but it looked like it the way that it, the guy kind of fell and our kid was kind of had his hands on him. So I understood that, but you know, when the ball's in the air, and and especially two weeks ago when Jaden Ballard's jersey is below not the flap the normal flap that people mm-hmm. pull it below mm-hmm. it was down on his tricep you know and and he doesn't get a you know there's no pass interference call come on guys i mean if you're going to play man and you're going to be aggressive and and i'm sure what they the defensive coaches what they're telling their players is um we'll live with the penalty you know mm-hmm. we'll live with a, a pass interference as opposed to a, a long touchdown so um, you know, because sometimes they get away with it, and it seems like the last couple weeks that holding has been um, it hasn't been called at all. Yeah, I mean, it's sorry, Rob. Just want to get this out there. It's not a. If I was a DB coach, I'd tell him the same thing. I'll take 15 yards over a touchdown and yeah. hold every time. Make him call. <laughs> yep. But you're also talking to somebody that doesn't think there's ever been an offensive holding and I think there's a defensive holding in the secondary every play. <laughs> I mean I am an offensive there's coach. Never so. been an offensive hold. There never will be an offensive hold. <laughs> ever. Coach. Ever. Uh not something that I was I was going to get into. Um but I I've always had a pretty strong opinion on this, so I figured I'd ask you when it comes to the amount of referees, like a seven man crew versus a five man crew. Do you have any opinions on maybe which one you like better? Can you tell a difference? I mean, it doesn't make a difference to you know the game calling, but is there anything that you've noticed over the years? I, I honestly think I'd rather have a five-man crew. Um, a guy that I worked for, um, a Hall of Fame coach that I worked for for two years, unbelievable working experience, great, you know, learned as much as I, you know, much as you could learn from somebody two years as a young coach. 
he made a statement, and I would love to say his name, but I don't want to put him on blast for this <laughs> statement. Um, he said the most under, I think under, was it under qualified or most unprepared people on a football field every Friday night are the referees. And I didn't understand that statement, but, you know, coaches clinic and work all year round. The kids are in the weight room. They work all year round. The, the one group of people that, you know, I don't believe I could be wrong that works, all, you know, that would work all year round are, are the, the, the officials. So to me, as opposed to having seven, you know, I think five's better because, you know, if they, if they miss a couple calls, you know, that's okay because I think it's, it's, it's more understandable with five and, and it would go both ways as opposed to, you know, seven, mm-hmm. not as prepared. I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this up. Uh, yeah. Seven people not quite as prepared as everybody else on the field. I um, mean, and we've had some great crews um, since I've since I've been at Maslin, but I would rather see more five man than seven man. I think the one reason that I've always liked the seven man crew as much uh, more than the five man crew is because the only time I really notice a big difference is a big play down the sideline. And if there's a questionable pass interference call 30 yards down the field on the sideline, you have two refs that are both 25, 30 yards from the play. And that's when you see a guy throw a flag from center field. And I don't know, that just always gets me that somebody has to throw a flag that far on a questionable call. Um, Whereas with a seven-man crew, I think you usually have a guy further down the sideline. And that's like the one time that I see it and notice it, and I go, God, I wish wish there was a guy right there. But... um, you know, chances are that might not go in our favor either. So, um, just figured I'd ask if you could. Yeah, I, I, and I think Coach Moore, when we when we first came here together, we were all seven man crews. Um, but I think we've started that number has started to to go down, and I think that's kind of been his feeling that he's started to like the five man crews better, um, and, and not maybe for the same reasons that I do. Um, I don't <laughs> want to put words in his mouth, especially <laughs> ones like that. But um, I think that. You know, you you just I, I mean maybe less calls is more. You know, less is better. Let the game play. You know, mm-hmm. I mean if it's blatant, that's for okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, a but, lot of flags. Last but week. yeah, last week. Too I mean, I, I don't know how many flags the the deep guy that threw that the, back judge threw like four yeah. in a row. Yeah, he was. Uh, you wanted to make offsetting, 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 offsetting. Dude, just blow your whistle. You know? Yeah, and I and I don't understand what their call is on. You know. I, that that last onside kick, it's not a blindside hit. It's not wasn't helmet to helmet. It was shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, did he he hit him really hard? But that's not illegal. You know, that guy's going to recover the ball. That kicker mm-hmm. becomes a, you know, he becomes a, a kickoff team member yep. when he yep. kicks the ball and runs down the runs down the field to get that ball. You if know? he wasn't in the play, he wouldn't have gotten hit. He Absolutely, was, he was close yep. enough to get hit. So. You, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it's taught nowadays. I don't want to say how we teach things. But I remember back when we played onside kicks, the first level guys on both sides were meant to take out the other guys, first level guys. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's just how it was. I I have no idea how it is nowadays. But um, so, I mean, that was kind of how we were taught to do it back then. If you're not the one getting the ball, you go hit somebody so they can't get the ball. 
I'm not involved with uh, with any of those special teams things, but I'm out there enough to know that you know the guy that's that's getting the ball, who was Austin Brawley at that point. He he was mm-hmm. getting the ball; it was coming to him. It actually came to him the time they tried it before that. Um, the guys around him are there to protect him, you know. And by protect him, that means hit the guys that are running at him because you know they're not running down there to to just play tag with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's going for that ball; they're trying to hit him. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are guys protect them. How exactly we do it, um, that that's Coach Jar's expertise. But I know we did it well twice, and we definitely protected our guy recovering the ball in the last one. Frankly, I think the only difference between now and back then was that kicker would have went back out to kick again uh, the same game. <laughs> but, you know, a bigger issue now. Things have changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um pivoting from there unless you got anything no okay uh it struck me in the gateway game especially i can't remember how much we ran it and against barberton but how much we ran outside zone and how much success we had with it and it really just it stuck out to me because it's such a different way of blocking as an you know technique wise than anything else you do it's you know i i'll let you kind of explain the difference between outside zone technique and you know anything else any other drive blocking or rap and that kind of stuff but it's just so different and it's something that you know you see outside zone guys talk about it's not something you do a lot unless it's going to be the thing you do and your yeah. offense runs through that um so i guess like how did our kids get so good at it with the amount of other stuff we have in our run game and what did you see really that made you start calling that more well you know, we anytime that somebody's in a three-man front and they don't have that extra guy walked up on the line of scrimmage, you're you're kind of giving us the edge. Um, you know, if he's in a head-up four or four-eye, any inside leverage, um, you know, you're you're giving us the edge, and we're going to try to take that. Um, we've run it a little bit the last couple of years, but you're right. I mean, it's it's not been a huge staple. We didn't have a ton of success, but we needed it just in case people overloaded. Um, Walnut Ridge last year, I think that that one of the last drives we had, we had like 70 yards in outside zone um, just because they were overloading power so much. But um, if you think about the Denver Broncos days where they're a big outside zone team, you think about when I think about college teams that were really good at zone, Minnesota, when Glenn Mason was there, was really, really good at zone. Um, it all goes by the running back, you know, outside zone. You have to have an outside zone running back. Um, and, and we have a couple guys, one especially that's, that's really kind of built for that. Um, so we've adjusted a little bit more, um, to what his skill set is. Um, and, and the way I teach it up front, it's not that different. The footwork's a little bit different. The aiming point's a little bit different, but the assignments are the same as inside zone. We're blocking the same guys. How we're doing it is a little bit different. So, But when you see that play come out last week, we actually installed that two weeks before. But this might be a fault of mine. Like I, I start installing things a week or two ahead, um, even if it's just through review time, and it takes a little while. And, and trucks, we, we're – I mean, we're literally on the same page, and Coach Miller too. I mean, our whole offensive guys, but really the us three are really run, you know, everything by each other, and obviously Coach Moore too. But he gives us a lot of freedom um, offensively, which is awesome to have a head coach that 
you know, that lets you kind of do your thing. And I guess as long as we keep scoring points, he's probably going to keep letting us do our thing. But um, we, uh, it, it takes a little while to gain that confidence. So we've been running it for two, probably two, maybe three weeks before you ever saw it um, come out in a game. And that's why sometimes when you see something new, it's like, man, they were able to do that pretty well for not doing it last week. Well, secret is we've really been probably doing it for two or three weeks. It's just um, we don't feel comfortable enough yet until the kids really get it down. Um, and it doesn't mean we'll run it a ton of reps in practice, but just enough to start getting the aiming points down and you know the, the bucket step that we take to push the guy through and just the subtle adjustments that we do you know, we'll we'll do that for a couple weeks before you usually see it in a game. Unless, all right, this is an odd stack team and this is our odd stack runs, and then we play a four-man front, and this is our four-man front runs, that's not installing a new play. That's still our base offense, you know. But when we're installing mm-hmm. something new, and outside zone was, we really started running it the Fitch week because it was an odd stack. Um, and, and we ran it Fitch week a couple times, but we – you know, we ran it the one run that he ran all the way down to like the one yard line. We we outflanked him to our sideline. It was like a fourteen or fifteen yard run was outside zone, but it almost didn't look like it because the aiming point wasn't as good as it was against Gateway because that was the first week that we installed it. That makes sense. So it just kept looking better because the alignment of it. And I actually think, I'm not sure Fitch week we we handed it in front for a little while. But then it wasn't giving him enough room to operate, the running back, I mean. So um, that's why we hand it behind now because he likes being two yards deep of the, the quarterback, and we don't want him to go forward before he goes. You know, He'd have to go forward, then go backwards to get around. So that's why we hand it behind. But, um, yeah, I mean, his aiming points have gotten better. Our fullbacks have gotten better at blocking. It's just you know now we got some wrinkles and things off of it that might be coming up in the next couple of weeks. And um, it's just become a – a part of our offense, which is you know different than what's you know what we've been doing the last couple of years, but I think that's a big thing of what we do is we evolve with our personnel. You know, our our offense is a personnel-driven offense. You know, what what plays we run um, is determined by what our kids do well, and we'll I think we'll always be that way. So. Is that something you like? You see the kids do well, and then adjust to it, or is that something you like? Talk to the kids, like, "Hey, what do you like? What do you don't?" And then go from there. Well, a little bit of both. Um, you know, that's funny you ask that because same side power. I'd always run pistol power, mm-hmm. um, or you know, like an I formation power. Um, Coach Moore had run same side power. Coach Trox had run opposite side power. Uh, Jameer Thomas loved same side. So what did we do? We were a same side power team and everybody conformed because, you know, our number one running back, that's what he liked to do. Um, you know, as where Zion likes both, um, you know, TK, he, he likes opposite side stuff. Um, you know, he likes a little bit more stretch or coming across um, because if there's a chance to bounce, which uh, Zion and I were laughing about it, you know, the other day about um, that, you know, I used to hate bounce. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I become less upset when somebody bounces, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but if we have a running back that likes to cross and, and to get a bounce look, um, you know, then you get – if we have the guy that can do that and, and bounce and beat that one-on-one, then then maybe we do more cross stuff. 
So really, um, you know, the plays like the power, we still do same side, but we do more opposite side stuff now than we have for probably three years. And it's because, you know, our backs seem to like that a little bit more. doesn't mean that the way we're blocking it's any different. Mm -hmm. You know, we could be blocking the play the same way, but, you know, I'm not running the ball. I always thought I should, but nobody would ever give it to me. (laughs) Um, But the guys that are running the ball, they need to be the ones that are comfortable. That's more important. We can still build our pass pro off of that. We can build our play action pass off of that. We can build all the stuff off of what they feel comfortable with. And it's, um, you know, we talk about this all the time. Our, our offensive playbook is like a never ending moving document. Like it never stays the same. Troxon and Miller and I, and, and the other coaching staff, offensive coaches as well, but mainly us three in the winter, spend like two months making a 140-page playbook, and we comb through it and throw stuff out and you know make this new playbook every year. That playbook in February doesn't look anything like what we run right now because we adjust to what the kids do well. And we, we promised each other that, uh, that we're not going to do that this winter. Um, you know, we're not going to spend that 50, 60 hours, but it will end up doing it again. I mean, we've done it every year. <laughs> we consider and talk about like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Such a waste of time. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll here we are. Here we are. Um, how much does like, you know, I, we asked Kale about this too. I think maybe trucks. I don't know. All these conversations kind of blend together anymore. But about doing stuff, you know, in the spring, about you guys just putting in plays in the off season. But how much does, like, say, maybe running it a little bit in the spring help if it's a thing you like against a team, you know, that you might like in the future coming up in the playoffs? I remember last year we had – it was like some kind of smash concept to trips where it was like one and two both ran quick ins and then the three ran a dig or a, not a uh, corner in it in. was called in in yep and um they said you know first time we ran it we hadn't we it was like week 13 or 14 but we hadn't run it since seven on sevens is that stuff you guys can go back to that like, you would have confidence in that the kids would be able to pick up quickly or would you treat it almost like a new install well this and we have having really football savvy kids helps i mean i'll always go back to that because they know and they remember things. I remember doing that, especially if it's something where they get the ball. Um, so last year, just to give you another example, of that we were against, we were playing against Louisville, and they were really pinching the edges down hard. We had not run jet jet sweeps since St. Ed's. Like think about that preview game week nine. Mm-hmm. We ran jet sweep twice in the second half because we make subtle adjustments to our blocking up front. The, I mean, it, we were handing to the Kai shot, and, and Kai, like, he remembered jet sweep because we were handing it to him. I would remember jet sweep <laughs> if somebody was handing it to me. And uh, we had, like, two nice eight-yard gains, and it got them out of what they were doing because they were giving us the edge. And I, one of the guys on their staff last year is a guy I had worked with previously, and um, somebody that wasn't involved in all that pregame mess and somebody that I, <laughs> that I honestly have a lot of respect for. And I'm like, hey, you guys really, you know, you guys made it tough on us running. You're really squeezing. And he looked at me and goes, you SOB. He said, when was the last time you ran jet? I had freaking six games on you guys, and you did not run jet one time. And I was like, uh, it was in the preview game against St. Ed's. And he was, like, so fuming that we were able to, like, 
immediately put that in and hit the edge and he had watched like six games and never saw it and he was he's like an obsessive you know person like he would he has every play marked down i mean he would he would never miss something and that's the one it was well he asked how's your family and then he was pissed about the jet like once he checked on my family but um that just it says a lot about our kids that you know that we can do those things and make but that's why we don't do wholesale all right there's this trick nuance play that we do they're just subtle changes to our base play the jet we still block power inside except instead of kicking with the fullback he hooks the end and the tailback leads on the alley but everybody else is blocking power i mean it, i think that we could tell our kids you know we could have them out in the front yard and get them to run it pretty well in probably two reps you know so that's what i think the big selling point is on don't make wholesale changes. Be who you are offensively. Make subtle little adjustments. And that in route, I mean, that was something that we repped a ton because you see a ton of man coverage in seven on seven. And it's a great man coverage beater. Well, we didn't see man coverage very much all year. Um, you know, that's just wasn't not what we saw last year. So once we did, we were able to say, hey, Remember when we ran in exactly what our reads are and, you know, we got a corner and, and two ends and, you know, this guy should be open because this guy's going to do this and you have leverage here. And if not, throw it in the back corner of the end zone and Trey can jump up and get it, you know. And the kids are like, absolutely. But it also has to come back to one guy really. I mean, we can we can say all those things that everybody's got to know it and everybody's got to be right. One guy's got to be the right. The quarterback's got to be right. And, um, we've been we've been really lucky that um, you know he's exceptional and and does some some great things and makes some great decisions and you know puts us in some really good situations and and remembers those things and and rarely makes mistakes and then if he does he never makes them twice. The one thing that every guest we've ever had on this show has said and that we talk about all the time is your ability to make adjustments on the fly. Going off of that, how much do you have to look forward and prepare for different nuances or look yourself in the mirror and say, what would I do to beat myself? Well, that's I, I think I said that at the Booster Club the other night was that if I was playing us, this is what I would do. And then if that didn't work, this would be my adjustment. And, and I think you can do that and get a pretty good idea as long as you're looking in the framework of the defense that you're playing. You know, what really throws you off is when a 3-4 team comes out and odd stack. That's not really – I mean, yes, it's an odd front, but normally you see bear or you see, you know, the not a true 3-4 where they're backed out and it's a five-man box or there's two four eyes or some subtle adjustment to that, not like a real – like a wholesale change to that. But if you look at the the framework of, framework of their defense and what they can do against you and against your formations, I think usually you can kind of plan ahead. And that's one thing, you know, we, we've talked about and we talk about as an offensive staff because we hear it sometimes like, well, sometimes we start kind of slow. I was like, well, you know, we've scored 108 points in the first quarter and like 286 in the first half. You know, I know like – it feels slow at our pace, but like we're averaging 14 points a, a first quarter. Like that's really not slow. We're averaging 30 points a first half. Now there's a couple anomalies in there with like a, 
you know, the Glen Oak was, was really high and, and the Fitch was really high. But, you know, we want to score every time we touch the ball and we want to score 50 points. Um, that That's really our goal. So we're a little bit short of that right now. But, Three points in the last two games total. What's that? Three points in the last two games total. Three. That you're short of that goal. Yeah, it's three yeah. points too many. You know, it's <laughs> we're forty nine point eight. That's not good enough. You know, I mean, last year you look at our total. I mean, there was the one game that was triple digits um, that really threw that that point total through the roof. But you know, there are a lot of times that we probably could have put more on the board this year. But when it comes to the the getting prepared for what people are going to do, I think. And I'm guilty of this, you know. It starts with it starts with with me and in our offensive staff, all of us together. Is instead of running a play that's safe, because all right, let's figure out what they're coming out in. You know what? Let's make them figure out what we're coming out in. Let's get back. Let's let's get super aggressive again. Let's be really really fast. We play good defense. Our defense. You know what they tell us? It's never like, hey, you know, we threw a pick six before the half. And you know what they said? Hey, go down and score. We're going to try to get it back to you and go down and score again. You know I mean? It's not like, hey, can you guys be a little bit more conservative? It's great working with another side of the ball that just tells you to go get it and be aggressive. And that's been playing really, you know, really good defense, you know, for for the whole year. Um, But I think that's one of the things that, that I need to do is just, let's just go. You know, let's just go. Let's go play. And you know what? People are going to do what they what they come out and what they plan to do. And I can't overthink what they're trying to do. I just want to – let's just go attack them. Let's go attack them in a run game. Let's attack them vertically in the pass game. Let's get our guys moving sideways underneath. If they're uh, you know moving across the field, if they're doing some man stuff, we can do that um, a little bit faster. But, um, you know, I – I want to. I want to get back to being super aggressive um, offensively and up front, especially. And I know that you're, you're talking with with Coach Trox and Coach Miller. They want to be super aggressive all the time. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's weird. You talk about the last two games, and it feels like we start off slow, and oh, we didn't do you know play up to our standard. Then you look at the scoreboard, and it's forty eight twelve, forty nine twenty four. That's pretty damn good by any measure at all. Um. But I want to get to talk about another thing. You talked about, you know, looking ahead, planning ahead, that kind of thing. Well, it's week nine. We have Louisville. That is, I think, by anyone's, you know, if they're being honest, not up to our talent level. And then we have the game week 10 after that. How do we keep our kids, you know, focused on the opponent ahead of us and not looking ahead to, you know, McKinley? Well, you know, I, I know it's like cliche one day at a time and all that stuff. And I, I don't, you know, I don't even know all those things. I'm not smart enough to remember all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but I'm just really excited for practice tomorrow. I think you've probably heard me say that more than once. Like, I'm really excited for practice tomorrow. Like, Wednesday's the day that it really kind of all comes together for us. And then, you know, Thursday's where we shine it up. And, and Friday, you know, Anytime you're playing in Paul Brown Tiger Stadium is is really really exciting. It's Senior Night, you know. If we look ahead of those three days, then there's something wrong with us. You know, obviously the game is the game, and it's the greatest week. Um, you know, 
I don't think my wife's going to listen to this, but like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with my family is like big time. You know, that's that's a really, really big moment for me, you know, and, and my wife and all my family. It's great. Um, but like if if I don't get any gifts, which I don't need any gifts ever, like next Saturday is like the best gift. You know, like seeing my kids open gifts is really exceptional. But next Saturday, like I never knew what I was getting myself into. And I had been to the game a few times, mm-hmm. you know, and that whole week is just unbelievable. It's so much fun. I mean, there's so much stuff. It's And then at the end of it, you get to play in the, it, literally the best football game of the year in the country. But that's a whole week of itself, you know, like that's not, I don't think we just look ahead to the game. You know, we still have three really, really fun days left this week, you know, great day, Wednesday to practice Thursday to shine it up senior night on Friday. Next week can be its own week, you know, cause we know what all those, those gifts and all those things are, especially when taking care of business on Saturday, what that feels like which I'm pretty sure it's taken some years off my life. Um, but man, same here. It's it's different way, but same here. <laughs> yeah. It's um man, it's worth it. But uh yeah, it's I I with our kids I I think outside of some penalties and things we had last Friday, we're a really mature group and they take care of business. They take take care of the task at hand and um I don't think we'll have any pregame fireworks. Um you know, like we had last year like hey, we're here to, to play. I mean, I, I really I thanked them for that. That was kind of, you know, just in case we were ever overlooking them, they made sure to to remind us they were right there in front of us at the 10-yard line. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that'll be an issue. I really don't with our kids. I, I, I think our kids understand, they understand the importance of every game and, and every chance they get to play in Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. Yeah, so looking forward to the next three days, um, with Louisville coming in, what can we expect from them? And uh, can you just give us a brief rundown of you know maybe their team, specifically their defense? Yeah, they're um, they they got some pretty good sized guys. Fifty four, their D tackles. Uh, he's a big kid. Um, plays real physical. They're they're big up front on the D line. They got a huge DN, six six or six five, two hundred sixty pound kid. Um, linebackers are pretty good size, 190, 195 pounds. Um, they have a couple corners that are, yeah, if, I never really know numbers. I mean, I never know names. It's just numbers. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. So For our purposes, that's fine. Yeah. And, and the, the safeties are, are pretty good players. They, they're, they've mainly been a 4-3 box, um, which is different. Think Bedford a couple years ago. That's how Bedford played us too high um, with, with three linebackers in the box and four down linemen. Um, but – you know, I, I think they'll have to do something a little bit differently because there, there'll be um, some advantage on the edges for us, um, you know, when it comes to some some vertical threats and things. Also, by formation, um, we'll be able to do some things to either get them out of that box or, you know, out of the 4-3 box or have a, you know, have a, a pretty big advantage um, on the edges. So, um, you know, we... They're I'm, they're going to come ready to play. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. They're they're excited for this game. Um, they beat Mooney a couple weeks ago. Uh, beat a team from West Virginia last week. 
Um, I think they're riding pretty high. I think they feel pretty good about themselves. I'm sure they're, they're, there's a lot of confidence over there. Um, you know, offensively, I know they'll run some trick plays. They'll do a lot of different things. They, they had like two or three onside kicks against Hoover. Um, their coach is going to be willing to pull out all the stops. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see some cover zero and a lot of pressure and them just saying, you know what, we're going to try to get to number five and, you know, good luck trying to get the ball to your to your receivers. But also when you do that, you when you're blitzing like that, you can create some run lanes for the running back, as, as people have found out the last couple of weeks, that it just doesn't mean that you have to sit back and, um, you know, oh, I, we have to take shots because their cover is zero. No, we just have to we have to find a seam. When we find that seam, it could be good night. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, 99 is is the big D end. Um, 54 is the big D tackle. Um, you know, two is their guy. Um, he plays Sam linebacker, but he's their guy on offense as well. He plays a little bit of running back. He plays a little bit of a fullback. He plays a little bit of slot receiver. He plays wide receiver. He, he's their guy they're trying to get the ball to. The quarterback's real accurate. Um, runs a little bit, but more of a more of a passer. Um, you know, good skill guys. And they actually have a kid over there that we're familiar with that had, had went here at one point. Um, you know, and, and he, he's a good player. He would he would have been on the field for us somewhere, um, if not in a starting role, but you know, in a in a role. Um, but you know, they have some, they have some good players. It's a talented team, and you know, I think people don't realize that. Um, you know, they they have some confidence right now. I don't think they come in, you know, thinking that there's some big underdog, you know, that there's a big deficiency in talent. I think they feel pretty good about the team that they have, and they're willing to take some chances to put them in a good position to be successful. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're a spread team. They like to sling it around. Uh, I, I don't know if we've played really a team that's tried to – that likes to throw it as much as they do well you'll be surprised they'll be in a they'll be in a fullback tailback mm-hmm. um a lot more than they ever have been um they'll still throw it a lot and yeah. i think they'll throw it a lot against us uh but 99 the big defensive end he also plays fullback um and he does a nice job and they'll run uh they'll run power they'll run like counter where you know it's it's the guard and the fullback wrapping they'll run guard tackle um you know gt pool um, you know some version of power mainly, but they uh, they've really they've really run the ball um, a lot um, and, and been pretty successful at it. Um, but then again, he's he you know they'll sling it too. I mean, it, and they've been spread a little bit at times. Um, and they're I wouldn't say they're that much different to us when it comes to. Um, like formations and alignments, you know, sometimes they'll come out in four wides. The next time they'll come out, it'll be three receivers and a fullback, you know? So there's some similarities there. I guess my last question about them is, you know, they, they play a lot of fed teams, even though they're not in the fed and they played some other teams here or there, but have they ever been hit? Like we're about to hit them. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so far this year, I don't think anybody we played has ever been hit quite like they were hit against us. We talk about it all the time, um, just as an offensive staff, like watching some of our second team guys run down on kickoff and just leave 
people laying on the ground behind them. I mean, they just will, our kids will just run and hit you all over the field. Our defense will run and hit you. Um, you know, our fullbacks, our linemen, our linemen are trying to knock guys 10 yards down the field. Um, I'm not sure that they have seen anybody that will attack them quite like the Maslin Tigers will attack them. That's what I like to hear. I got nothing else, Rob. Uh, I mean, I just touched on Louisville. I mean, I think they're coming off of three straight wins. And, I mean, I know they're going to be really excited to come in to Paul Brown Tiger Stadium, try to come back after last year's loss. Um, I know their new head coach is really excited to play Maslin. He has been since the offseason. So, I mean, I expect this to be a pretty big game for them. So I hope that, you know, our fans, I know our players are, but I hope our fans are taking it just as serious as we know Louisville is going to. So hopefully we can pack the stands. And it's also senior night. So, you know, the kids that have done so well for us, you know, over their entire tenure here that we can go out and show them, you know, their senior night the way it should be done. So, I mean, I'm just excited to see the atmosphere. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's... Get in there, go see uh, Louisville and Paul Brown Tiger Stadium for the first time because, unfortunately, for the foreseeable future, and not by our choice, it will be the last time that they take a visit to Paul Brown Tiger Stadium. So uh, get out there, go check it out. Um, I guess, yeah, um, I'm through with the football. Rob, you got anything else? Um, so they're doing a donation drive. I, I don't want to get the name wrong, but I think it's Salvation Army. Up yeah. at the school? Is it Salvation Army? Yes. Um, With a question mark, yes. Salvation Army question mark. Um, they have a trailer up at the school. They're collecting items. I think it's on their website that says exactly what they're trying to collect. Um, it's a battle between Maslin and Louisville. Whichever team donates the most, um, they're going to give a scholarship to the school. So, I mean, if you have anything that you were planning on donating or you'd like to donate, um, I think the trailer is open during like work hours. Um, on Friday, I think it's short. Might be end at noon. Noon or one. Noon. Yeah. I wish I, I haven't seen anything about this. They just mentioned it at the Booster Club meeting. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Wish we would have known earlier. Um, but if you have anything or you're, you're looking to donate, go ahead and look into that. Help Maslin beat Louisville. Get a scholarship out of it. Um, also, looking forward to next week. We've been collecting food for the food drive against McKinley. Um, so bring either food items canned food items or money um one dollar is equal to seven pounds of food yeah so we're trying to beat mckinley again which if you remember they have beat us for a long time in the food drive we beat them last year we're looking to beat them again and anytime so, uh, you beat mckinley in anything it's, it's awesome it's always good so um make sure you take care of that uh donate at the booster club meeting there will for sure be something there if not contact somebody at the school you can drop it off at the school somewhere i'm sure talk to somebody at the stadium talk to somebody with the booster club they'll find a way that you can help with that yeah um and also one last thing the blood drive that's i know that's going on at the mass and wreck i think uh next monday monday yes monday during call it regular hours Something like that. Something like that. 12 to 5, 12 to 7. 12 to 7 sounds right. Does that sound better? Yep. 12 to 7, I think. Sounds right. You'll hear more about it if you look anywhere online. Yeah, and we'll have a couple episodes up here in the future that will definitely let you know about that. So, anything else? Any other information? No, that's all. All right. It's a lot. Because we haven't been holding you here for no other for no reason, because we have one last question for you. All right. I, I, shoot. I think I'm ready for it. All right. Is a Pop-Tart... 
or ravioli? Absolutely not. Why? It has icing. So it's what just, about a non-iced pop tart? Yeah, because they make those. It's not a ravioli, guys. <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> it's not. So what if I take a like a ravioli out of a Chef Boyardee, and put some icing on it? Is it no longer no, ravioli? It's not a ravioli. It's a pastry. Like it's a it's a dessert. Like a pop tart is a dessert. Like I mean, or like you could have it for breakfast, but a ravioli is like dinner. Like that's. What if I wake up and have a can of ravioli, like a cold can of ravioli for breakfast? Does that make it a pop tart? Is that what you're asking? It Does makes it? it. It makes it not no, dinner. It no, it doesn't. <laughs> it makes yeah, it not just, dinner. Just wondering. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I like a pop tart. I like a pop tart more than I like a ravioli. Yeah. Um, but they're not the same thing. <laughs> not even close. All right, Rob, you got anything? No, I think that's it. All right. I do have one very, very last question. Very okay. important. Yes. You big WWE wrestling guy? Um, I have been through the years. Okay. What's your walkout song? Oh. Um, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, the, the Undertaker is the best entrance. Yeah. Um, no, but yours. You're walking out on WWE. No, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of Man, my walkouts, my walkout song. It would be, uh, it would be Godsmack, keep away. All right, there we go. And with that, go Tigers. Beat Louisville. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.